morning, good evening, and good afternoon. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Sunday. I know I am, and honestly, with it being almost Thanksgiving, I am looking forward to having so much food, I think my stomach will pop. Anyway, I hope you guys are doing good. We're going to go ahead and get started with today's episode. To start off, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man issue number 12. So, like where we left off last time, the authorities have come to recover Norman and Kingsley. Kingsley is okay, but the Goblin uh, beat the heck out of Norman, putting him in an ambulance while uh, Kingsley escapes because, I mean, when you're a head of a criminal organization, you definitely don't want to wait to answer any questions. Anyway, uh, Peter meets Norman at the hospital, and he is mad that he lied to him about when they were going to meet up. Peter talks about trusting Norman. And how that's kind of hard to do when Norman lied. Uh, Norman, me- uh, Peter mentioned that Leeds wanted to talk to him about him hacking his server, about Norman being up to no good. Norman urges Peter that he can be trusted. And Peter quips back that, well, you just lied to me, so how can I do that? And Norman says, good points. But Peter says that if he finds nothing, he will actually put in the effort to start trusting Norman. Anyway... Uh, As he goes to find Leeds, since he was the former Hobgoblin, he's told by his wife Betty that he is putting on the suit again. Peter confronts Leeds and sees that he's going into the Winkler device. For those of you who don't know what that is, that was the original device used by Kingsley to make Leeds believe that he was the Hobgoblin. So, uh, him going back to that machine is a big no-no. Anyway... Uh, Spider-Man is quickly attacked from behind, and it's revealed to be another goblin. Spider-Man glides away, for some reason not swinging, and attacks the goblin overpowering him. And it's revealed that it's Kingsley. And before any information can be brought up, Spider-Man is attacked from behind, and it's revealed that Leeds and Kingsley, two former goblins, are now working together. Now, the issue ends with the two goblins in front of Spider-Man. Now, I will say this, while I really didn't like how they nerfed Spider-Man, especially with his Spider-Sense, because honestly, the way the Goblin and Leeds attacked from behind, it's kind of like, where was the Spider-Sense? Why didn't he dodge it? Why is he gliding instead of swinging around? But, I mean, anyway, each author has their own nerf to the Spider-Sense, because if they don't, it'd be overpowered. Anyway, uh, another thing is his agility. He should have been fast enough to avoid these attacks as well. But I mean, it's Zeb Wells. It is what it is. Uh, Like I said, I feel like he would have been better swinging around. Especially since, I don't know, he's Spider-Man. But it is what it is, like I said. So we're going to continue on with issue number 13. You didn't think I was going to leave you guys in the dark about what happened to good old Spider-Man, did you? Anyway... Uh, Spider-Man is getting his butt whooped because apparently Zeb Wells really likes to depower Spider-Man. Anyway, uh, as he's being attacked from all sides by both goblins, both Leeds and Kingsley have Spider-Man beaten and are about to kill him until Norman, who's been watching the feed, suits up in his newest project called the Golden Glider. He takes the goblins by surprise and and Kingsley uses Leeds to get away. Uh, Norman gets angry and begins to beat Leeds to a bloody pulp before he is stopped by Spider-Man for making uh, Norman put on any type of goblin suit and using violence. Leeds is arrested and Peter goes to confront, uh, not confront, comfort Betty. 
and mentioned that Leeds won't spend any time in jail because the machine was used on him. But Betty reveals that they didn't find any machine. And the scene cuts to uh, Kingsley getting into the machine and the mastermind is revealed to be the Goblin Queen. Now, uh, for those who are wondering, this is not the same Goblin Queen from uh, Sin Eater. This is a clone of Mary, not Mary Jane, oh my god, Jean Grey. A clone of Jean Grey, I forgot her name, but this is actually leading into the Dark Web, which is going to be a X-Men and Spider-Man crossover. And I honestly am looking forward to this because X-Men, Spider-Man, always is usually a good uh, combination. But with Zeb Wells, we'll see how that holds up. Anyway, uh, like I said before, the story is getting good. I'm not going to lie, but I don't like how Zeb Wells is making Spider-Man so depowered, so weak. And it's like, really? He couldn't take on two goblins, but he's able to take on the Sinister Six. Whatever. I mean, sure, depowered people over over overpowered people, I guess. Anyway, moving on, we're going to be talking about DC and Deceased. Issue number four. Now, uh, the issue starts with a planet being evacuated because a legion of the undead is arriving. Two superpowered individuals fight back. One of them is the queen and the other one is her beloved. Anyway, one of them uh, gets destroyed by Darkseid's Unibeams. The other, which is the queen, is seemingly crushed by a yellow lantern hand. Meanwhile, Alfred is having nightmares because he feels really guilty about shooting Bruce, Tim, and Dick. Since now there's a cure, they actually didn't have to die, which is really, really depressing. Anyway, uh, he talks to Leslie Tomskin, who is now his girlfriend, congrats, uh, and he, she basically tells him that he can't blame himself. Damien comes in to say goodbye, and they have a real heart-to-heart, and Alfred is like, listen... I don't want to be on the sidelines. Get me a hammer. Get me a Green Lantern ring. And I'm thinking to myself, by God, if Alfred has a Green Lantern ring, he could probably do some serious damage. Anyway, Damien comforts him and says that he is never in the sidelines. And they all leave to Oa. Now, while they're on Oa, the Guardians talk about a plan to exterminate the infected. Yes, exterminate. Uh, Superman is opposed to this because they have a cure and I am actually on Superman's side on this. Usually I'm like, kill them all, but if you have a cure, that kind of, I don't know, makes it easier to gain people because if you're just killing them, I mean, I mean, I guess you want to take out the superpowered ones, but if you can cure them and make them on your side, hello, you're actually gaining forces, but... Again, that's just me. Uh, The Guardians don't want any attempt on the infection to spread at all. So, like, they say that killing all of them is the one-stop way. Brainiac agrees, which makes Guy Gardner make a quip about, Hey, you got Brainiac agreeing with you. I don't think this is a good plan. They also, the Guardians, in all their wisdom, decide, you know what? We're also going to detain Superman because we don't want him to get infected again. Superman punches through the barrier and knocks out Ganthith, which is one of the Guardians, in one punch, which makes Guy laugh. And everyone starts fighting each other. Damien notices Ares is in the room, who is manipulating the entire situation, and says he, they all, he just gave them a nudge uh, to his amusement. 
Damien tells him to stop, and then another voice chimes in, agreeing, and it's revealed to be Mr. Oh, God, I can never pronounce this guy's name. Mr. Mithpithvelix, the the, uh, small little imp dude. Mr. Mithpithvelix. Okay, I'm going to stop attempting to say that name. Anyway, uh, I was very surprised to see this dude because I'm thinking to my head, where the heck was he? I'm telling you, this guy says, I won't let you harm Superman. Where were you the past five years? Where the heck were the imps? Uh, Batmites, uh, Mr. Myth... I mean, if we're going to bring Mr. Mythpidilix into this comic book, where the heck was he when Trigon was about to destroy everything? I mean, good God. But anyway, I guess we'll get an explanation uh, next issue, which sucks because I am really looking forward to this. But again, good things come to those who wait, or so I'm told. Uh, Again, awesome issue. Uh, I get it that a lot of people complained that there wasn't any action, but we still have another four issues to go. It's not like it's the final two issues and everything's going to be rushed. We got four issues these issues can be long. I trust in Tom Taylor. We'll see how this all goes down. And I'm excited. I'm also excited for the realization that Superman has a niece. No, niece. Cousin. Why did I think niece for some reason? I'm thinking of another character. Anyway, uh, it's definitely going to be cool and see the Green Lanterns versus the Infected Yellow Lanterns. Especially with Darkseid with a Yellow Lantern. Yeah, that's going to be uh something. Anyway, we're going to be moving on to TV shows. Amazon and Sony are going forward with, get this, a live-action Spider-Man TV show focusing on Silk. Yep, a live-action Spider-Man TV show. I don't know what's going on with Sony. They are known for great movies, but recently when it comes to their Marvel or comic book stuff, they are very much lacking with the good ideas. I... I really don't trust them to do anything with Spider-Man, let alone a live-action TV show, which will be in its own contained universe. Why? Make a movie. You can do the Spider-Verse, which goes into the multiverse. Stop trying to do stuff. It does not work. I mean, why make... I mean, I okay, Silk, I can see why it's a Spider-Man character well-liked in the comics, but still... Why? Make a movie. Make an appearance. Heck, have them come out in Spider-Verse, the movie. But, I mean, I don't get it. I mean, Sony really hasn't proved themselves of doing anything with Spider-Man related that's not part of the MCU. Maybe Amazon has an idea. Who knows? Uh, I'll watch it. I'll say that. I'll watch it, give it an idea, and hopefully, hopefully it's good. But, oh god. I mean, let's be honest. It can't be anything worse than whatever the hell... Uh, Warner Brothers was doing with the CW. Moving on, uh, the Tulsa King has premiered. For those of you who don't know, it's uh, starring Sylvester Stallone on Paramount, and I gotta say, it's a surprisingly decent show. The acting is pretty good. I mean, Stallone, and the story seems interesting enough, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Cause I mean, you got a mafia boss in Tulsa. I've been to Tulsa. I mean, it's a town. Not really much there, but I mean, it's Tulsa. But I'm excited to see where this goes, and you know what? It's Stallone. I I like Stallone movies. Dude's a great actor, great director, great writer, so I'll give it a chance. 
Moving on, Rick and Morty coming back. And I can't wait to see where the rest of the season goes. Oh, God, it's really... Ah, I'm really happy that Rick and Morty is actually coming back. I am not a fan of Solar Opposites at all, so it's really good to get some quality back. I'm actually enjoying the season. Some of the episodes seemed a little rushed, but I mean, Rick and Morty usually has some good bangers. And we'll probably get season 7 close, so good stuff. Anyway, Inside Job is back with season 2, and it's actually funnier than ever. The comedy can be cheesy at times. I'm not going to deny that. Some of the comedy is kind of like, eh. But, I mean, it's a good, fun show. and something cool to play in the background. I get it has some commentary sometimes. But it's like funny commentary. It's like, ha, 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 and all that stuff. And it's from the creators from uh, Gravity Falls. So, again, good stuff. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to be talking about Andor. And how it is right now the least watched Star Wars series. And you know what? I can see why. I'm not going to go ahead and say, oh, why is it the least watched? I mean, it's great. I will admit, I can see why a lot of people have been burned off by this show. And it's because of a glaring fact that I have looked across. And it's its pacing issue. It definitely does have a pacing problem. Which has led Disney to show the show on other networks to get the views up. Now, I honestly believe that they really should have focused season one on just one event, whether that would have been the heist or the escape, instead of rushing these two events, and especially rushing these two parts. I am honestly enjoying the prison escape better than the heist. It is a much better written story of the show so far, and it has enticed me. I mean, seeing these guys rise up... I mean, the last, uh, not the previous episode, but the previous week episode was fantastic when they were actually escaping. Like, my jaw dropped. I was enjoying it. And you know what? It could have been built up more with more episodes. But I get it. You're only given two seasons and you got to throw your ideas into the wall. I get it. But honestly, that would have been great if they focused on one event. Things are going wrong. They're having to fix stuff. You know what? Similar to 24. That would have been the perfect angle for this show, similar to 24. But anyway, again, I get it why a lot of people are are saying this this is the least watched show. I get it. Hopefully, they're able to get the views up because, I mean, it's already confirmed this is only going to be a two-season thing. And I hope they learn from this and make season two amazing. Moving on, we're going to be going on to movies and a third movie that I never saw coming. I didn't even think this was going to be a trilogy at this point. But here it is. Magic Mike 3 The Last Dance. Trailer has been released. And I'm not going to lie. When I saw the trailer. I was like. Is this a stripper movie? Or is this a step up movie? Because honestly. This movie seems more like a step up movie. Than anything else. Maybe they're trying to garner a bigger audience. Who knows. I've never watched any of the Magic Mike movies, so, I mean, good for anybody who has. Honestly, I like Channing Tatum in uh, the, um, oh my god, 21 series. I mean, 20, uh, 22 Jump Street was my favorite, honestly. Hilarious. But, again, I mean, I never expected Magic Mike 3 to happen, so here it is. Hopefully it's good, and hopefully the fans, whoever you are, enjoy the movie. Anyway, uh, talking about new, a new Puss in Boots trailer has been released. And it's actually established that Shrek is in the universe and this takes place after the Shrek movie. How do I know this? In the trailer, it showed Jinji. So, 
I mean, if you watch Shrek, you recognize he's a recurring character in all the movies. Super excited to see how he goes, how, what he does, and if any other Shrek characters will pop in. The art style still looks fantastic. I'm really looking forward to watching this movie. And hopefully this leads to other Shrek movies, maybe within the same art style. Who knows? I'm excited for it, and I'm always a big fan of Puss in Boots. Uh, speaking of new as well, a new trailer for Pixar's new movie has been released. And it looks good. Uh, the movie is called Elemental. And will have a water element and a fire element fall in love. Cheesy, I know. I mean, oh my god, it's a love story. But you know what? That's the thing I love about Pixar. It takes simple ideas, but makes them amazing. Like, seriously. The art looks great. Uh, the world within this uh, universe seems very unique. Pixar is always coming out with great stories, interesting ones, and uh, definitely ones that will pull on your heartstrings. I'm super excited for Pixar to release this film. It's been teased for a while, and I'm glad we finally got something, and I'm definitely looking forward to a full trailer being released. Anyway, uh, moving on, James Gunn has announced that he will be focusing more on other heroes other than Batman, and will be getting less people playing Batman, which is good. He's not saying they're not making any more Batman movies. He's saying that they're going to be focusing on other heroes and the likeliness of Batman being recasted is low. So that means we're getting more Ben Affleck. Anyway, I think this is an excellent idea. As much as I do love Batman, he is overdone. A lot. Like, you can count the amount of Batman films with 50 hands. I mean, seriously. He gets his own TV show. He gets his own cartoon. He gets his own movies, video games. I I mean, I'm just saying there's a lot of heroes in the DC Universe. And I think it's great that they'll be focusing on other heroes to build it. Especially if they move away from the big three. Uh, James Gunn posted a picture of Mr. Terrific. And I think that making a Mr. Terrific movie or some type of medium with him is great. I mean, he's an older hero. He's definitely very smart. And it's going to be very curious to see who his villains are because... I'm going to be honest with you. I've only known Mr. Terrific in team-ups. Honestly, if they were going to make a character into a movie, I would have gone with Jon Stewart, Green Lantern, my personal favorite Green Lantern. Or you know what? Someone who's definitely been put in the dark for too long, Static Shock. Would love a Static Shock movie. Now, I would have been before, maybe two years ago, oh, you know what? Let's get a Blue Beetle movie. But we're still getting a Blue Beetle movie. So, semantics. Anyway, I'm very happy that another hero will be given the spotlight and hopefully we get a proper live action. None of that CW stuff. Yeesh. Those graphics were not kind. Anyway, moving on. We're going to be moving on to video games. Uh, Battlefield 2042 is going on Game Pass. Yes, you heard that right. The Battlefield game that basically destroyed the entire franchise is now going to Game Pass for Season 3. Now, I find this funny, especially with COD dominating the first-person shooter genre right now, especially against big names like Battlefield and Halo. I mean, think about this. Once upon a time, these two giants would have dwarfed Call of Duty, especially since they had vehicles. I mean, shoot, in Battlefield 4, you could destroy an entire building. You could fly with uh, the Ghost... Or not Ghost, oh my god, Banshee, 
And, I mean, they left COD in the dust. I mean, COD came out every year. When it came to Halo and Battlefield, it was a game that came out every few years. Now, Halo is down in the toilet, Battlefield as well, and Call of Duty is dominating. And since it's going to be releasing a game every two years, the games now have time to come up with quality like they used to. And you know what? It's a great time to be a COD fan. I'm a COD fan. I'm also a Halo fan, but... Not anymore with with whatever the hell 343 is doing. I mean, it's honestly painful to see what Halo has become. I will play Battlefield when it comes to Game Pass to see if it's still buggy. But, I mean, hopefully it pulls a Battlefield 4. Only time will tell. Moving on, Warzone 2 is actually pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. The map is so much better than the previous one during um, whatever the hell the last Call of Duty game was. The new DMX mode is also pretty intense. I'm not going to lie. I was sweating. Very much so. Because it's kind of like, hey, you're put in a bunch of rooms with randoms, three teams. You got to do all these missions. You got to be extracted. And you run out of bullets like crazy. I can't tell you how many of these bots were bullet sponges. I'm like firing my gun. I'm like, crap, I'm down to my last shotgun. What am I going to do? Seriously. I kept, I have the F-Tac, I'm shooting this guy, I can only hold so much, and I'm realizing, oh my god, as a tr- as a thing, as equipment, I picked the trophy. I should have picked the ammunition box. That would have been so much better. Because you can't find ammo anywhere. You can pick up other people's guns, but the odds that they have really great um, ammo is very low. Like, I literally was uh, tr- being transported to the extraction point i had my shotgun you know what a shotgun does to somebody at like 30 feet nothing nothing at all so while i was shooting my shotgun getting no hits i was getting shot at did i escape yes i did escape but again very intense and that's great i'm loving it and i'm very happy to see where warzone has come again my only only thing I find a problem with is the fact that I couldn't bring my skins. Would have been great if I was Stallone as Rambo or Bruce Willis as McCain. But again, I'm glad that um, everyone's having fun. Another thing, those proximity uh, chats, hilarious. I don't know how many times I found somebody in Warzone where they're talking to their friend. And they're like, oh, we're going to go into this door, blah, blah, blah. And I'm there on the outside. I'm like, okay. So they're in the building, they're narrating their entire plan, and ah, they're dead. (laughs) Like I said, it's proximity chat. Beautiful thing. Hilarious. Hilarious. Especially if you're on PC on Discord and no one can hear you. Best thing ever. Anyway, moving on. uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet have been released. And um, you know what? It's an okay game. I'm... Yeah, okay, let's be honest here. So... It's very revolutionary for the Pokemon genre since there's no linear story in a sense. You can go whatever gym you want, go to whatever area, do whatever you can while you're able, while you're unlocking other stuff like being able to swim on your vehicle and other aspects as well. But let's get the elephant out of the room. The graphics. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you. But uh, the graphics kind of suck. And I get it that it's a Switch. And even when the Switch came out, it wasn't uh, 
didn't have like the next gen best thing. I mean, it's a Switch. It's made to play Mario games. But still, I mean, the rendering for a lot of these areas, the frame rates drop. And I I really wish they would have pushed this back at least another month or two or wait until 2023. Because you can see how really rushed it is, especially with the graphics. Some of the mechanics are kind of buggy. And some of the animations kind of eh. I mean, the story is still the same, but I mean, with this supposed to be a mainline Pokemon game, you would have expected a lot more. Like, a very much a lot more. Uh, hopefully, they're able to patch a lot of these bugs, because maybe to someone who's just focused on the Pokemon, it won't be distracting. But for everybody else, especially if you're playing on a TV, it's very distracting, and some of the buildings look very ugly. Anyway, I'm hoping they're able to patch that. Time will tell. Moving on, uh, oh yeah, before I move on, I honestly think they should stick to a Pokemon game a year. One Pokemon game a year, let it sit for about a year and a half, add stuff, and then release another one. Because at this point, you can obviously tell they're running out of ideas. A lot of these Pokemon look like animals. Like there's a pink flamingo out there, and I'm like, wow, this is a lazy design, but when you think about it, most of the good designs have been taken. So at this point, you gotta think they are running out of ideas. So like I said, a Pokemon game, bring it in for a year and a half, have it release, update it with a bunch of events, you're good. Don't need to release two to three Pokemon games a year. Anyway, now moving on, uh, Dark Anthology series, season one finale, Devil Is In Me is out. And you know what? I haven't played it yet, but I can't wait to because I honestly love these games. These games are really fun, especially if you're playing with people. The whole aspect of picking your story, uh, deciding who lives, who dies. And with the new game mechanics uh, this episode is supposed to have, it's supposed to be really fun. And there's a multiplayer aspect where you can actually play with games online. So I'm looking forward to see what this shows. And I'm actually looking forward to see where Season 2 takes us. We'll be continuing some of the stories that left us with a cliffhanger. Maybe. We'll be getting new stories. Most likely. So I'm very excited to see where it goes. And who knows? Maybe we'll get a really fun one. Or one that connects to a broader universe. Uh, Moving on. Avatar The Last Airbender is coming to Brawlhalla. So if you're a big Brawlhalla fan. Here you go. Aang, Toph, and Zuko will be playable characters. I just love how after all this time, Avatar is still getting some love. Fantastic. Fantastic. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we're going to be talking about a game that was te- teased years ago. Years ago, but never, ever thought in a million years that it was actually going to be released. And you know what gate that game is? Jesus. No, not Jesus. I am Jesus Christ. Yes, I am Jesus Christ. You know who you're going to be playing? Jesus Christ. You know how I know that? It's in the title. Anyway, you get to play as Jesus himself and go through the life of God. Now, uh, from the trailer, it looks like they're going to be taking a lot of the story from the Bible verses. And each chapter looks like it was going to have Bible quotes kind of hinting at the story that's going to be told. Which seems like it's not a bad idea. I honestly thought when this game came out, it was go- not came out, but the trailer was released and information came out. I thought it was a joke. But it's real. It is real. And it's developed by a Polish developer called Simulon. And it's being released on December 1st. 
My personal opinion, being a former Catholic, would have been even glorious to be putting it and releasing it on December 25th. That's just me, but December still works. And uh, this is going to be its first big game for the studio. Uh, The studio is known for horse simulators, and it should be interesting to see how that translates here. And I'm very curious to see why they decided to go with Jesus as a video game. I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, I never knew it to be a niche market. I don't know a lot of Bible games that got released on console. But here we go. And I sh- it should be interesting. And I'm hoping it gets be- to be successful. Maybe we'll get a franchise. Who knows? But uh, I'm definitely going to be looking at the reviews. Or I'm definitely going to hope they release some gameplay. Because <laughs> it's, it's definitely interesting. I'll leave it at that. Anyway, moving on. Miles Morales is now on PC. And is officially out. So if you've not played this game, you need to. The amazing story that is told is fun. The villains that pop out. The game mechanics. How they made it different from Peter. And not to mention the powers and the side missions are all pretty great. The suits are always fun. Uh, Personally, I love the uh, original comic suit. But the one he gets in the video game is also great. And I'm actually very jealous to the people who will be experiencing this game for the first time. Anyway, that's it for video games. We're going to be moving on to nerd theories. So, I believe in my heart that we are now entering a new golden age. A new golden age of horror games. That's right. It is the golden era for horror games. You know why I say this? Because of how many more AAA games that are releasing... Or getting remade in the horror genre. You know what games are being released? Multiple projects. Such as the Callisto Protocol. Dead Space. Multiple Silent Hill games releasing. And Resident Evil 4. And another Resident Evil project on the way. And that's not even talking about Alan Wake 2. And some of the other projects that are getting released. So like I said before. I believe we're getting into this golden era for horror games. I think it's great to see this type of genre make a comeback after so many years of getting maybe one good game every couple years. And I get it, yes, there are indie games that delve into horror, but most of them are really slow, and let's be honest, not that great. There are some indie games that are fantastic. I mean, we got Five Nights at Freddy's, we got, um, what's that game? Oh my god. Alright, I've talked about this game before, like Paranormal or something, where you go into a house uh, and you're, uh, someone plays the ghost and you're a uh, paranormal investigator. I forgot the game, but yeah, no, that game. That game is great. There are really great indie games, but honestly, I am excited for the AAA because they're usually at a much higher budget and will scare you at a much higher rate. So, I like I said, I believe we're entering the uh, golden era. So... Here we are, we're happy, and I'm ready to be scared. Especially since a lot of these things are not even releasing near Halloween, which... You know what? That's another thing. Uh, Usually horror movies release in December and January. Find it weird, find it hilarious, but yeah, it's very interesting if you think about it. Moving on, current events. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you have been noticing Twitter has either fired... Or have had massive amount of people leave and quit. Now, I don't know much of the details about, hey, what's going to be Twitter afterwards. 
But the one thing that's very interesting is it's closed down all its offices and is running with a skeleton crew. So I don't know if Elon is forcing Twitter to basically be a former shell of itself or it's just cleaning house. Who knows? Maybe he's uh, basically trying to destroy Twitter for uh, making them making him buy the company. Honestly, some of the other aspects, I really don't mind him doing like charging for the blue mark because it'll honestly stop people from believing someone just because they have the blue mark automatically. And now you have to pay for one. Maybe that'll stop bots from spreading some false information. Who knows? But anyway, I'm very curious and I'm very curious to what you guys think. Do you think Elon Musk is intentionally trying to destroy Twitter or make something wonderful out of its ashes? Please let me know what you think in an email or just comment on uh, my TikTok. And if you're wondering what my TikTok is, it's Johnny Fuente. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. And I hope you guys, and you know what, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy it, eat, and sleep after eating copious amount of turkey. All right, guys, sayonara. See you later, and I hope you have a good one.